The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Mark writes, John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days... Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, this past week at our house, we took down our Christmas tree. And I guess for me, that's difficult, taking them down so soon. But I do understand the need, clean things up, to move on. Now everybody's back to work this week after the holidays of Christmas and New Year's Eve. And the youth, they've headed back as well to school and to college. Things, well, they move forward. But I tell you, I still appreciate the decorations that still hang around our our church and our communities, a tree and a window here and there. I guess you could say that they're symbolic of that lingering sense of celebration and longing for the joy of this season to just keep going on. Christmas is such a high point in our lives and in the life of the church as well. And that anything that follows it, well, it runs the risk of seeming insignificant. Probably why I've never cared much for New Year's Eve celebrations. Who or what can compare to a a baby born in a manger with shepherds and Angels singing God's praises. The birth of our Lord Jesus, it, well, it, it captivates me. And it captivates many people. Even some people who aren't even Christians. But I'll almost guarantee you that most people don't pay much attention to what comes next. To the baptism of Jesus. Now, by comparison, the narrative of the Christmas nativity 
Comparing to today's text, well, today's text may seem a little dull. Here we encounter Jesus with his wild cousin John again, preaching his fiery sermons and baptizing people by the droves. And into the midst of the crowds comes Jesus. And he comes without any fanfare, and he's baptized, just like the others. No angelic chorus, no gathering of wise men and gifts, just Jesus there with John in the muddy rivers of the Jordan. Mark, in this gospel account, he doesn't even record John's objection to baptizing Jesus. The one that Matthew recalls as John saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me. It's not here. This is an event that could have, well, it could have slipped past even our attention without much of a notice. And yet here in Mark's gospel, it's the very first thing that we hear about concerning Jesus. And while the crowds in attendance, they didn't hear nor see it. The entire Trinity is revealed in this narrative. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit right here at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. You see, Jesus's baptism is important because with it, God continues to fulfill what he began at Christmas when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and he took on our flesh. God himself came to dwell in our midst, to be with us and to live the life that we too face. And yet he was different. Yes, he was our true God, truly divine and true man just like us, facing everything that we do. And yet, he was without sin. But in his baptism, Jesus' place among us, among us sinners, well, it was completely secured. Let's remember, John was baptizing people who came in repentance of their sins, seeking forgiveness from God. So immediately upon hearing this, we should be asking why. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? What did he have to repent of? And the answer, of course, is, well, nothing. There was no sin of his own that needed forgiving. But as he was washed by John, Jesus took on the sin and the guilt of the whole world. He allowed himself to be counted among the sinners, becoming one with us and taking hold of our sin to carry it to the cross and to the grave. At Jesus' birth, God was joined with our flesh and blood so that he could be with us. And in Jesus' baptism, Jesus voluntarily joins himself to our sin so that he can overcome sin. 
Now, to the bystanders, Jesus' baptism, well, it looked the same as the rest of the multitudes that had gone before him. But Mark, he records for us here that this is an event of cosmic proportions. Jesus' baptism tears heaven's door wide open as God's long-awaited salvation moves just one step closer. The sin, the guilt, and the shame that closed heaven to us sinners was being shifted onto the one who could bear the load. And so the wall of sin that cut us off from God is ripped apart as Jesus takes on the burden of our sins in a three-year journey towards the cross. Dear saints, we must see this picture that Mark is using here for us. This is no gentle opening of a doorway. This is a violent tearing apart of a barrier. A barrier that God had been waiting to destroy. And it all starts when Jesus accepts our sin as his own by being baptized. Because Jesus, so willing, goes into that river and receives a sinner's baptism. This text, well, it's full of good news for you and me. But let's remember, without the baptism of Jesus, this text would be, well, it'd be anything but good. John the Baptist preached the law of God without compromise. And through him, God revealed the hearts of every one of us and laid our sin out for all to see. His preaching drove even the most self-righteous to their knees in repentance because it condemned their sins without any chance of excuse. But when Jesus was baptized, this proclamation Well, it no longer condemns those who have faith in Christ. But instead, it condemns Jesus in our place. It still exposes our sin, but it lays it all on Jesus so that heaven can remain wide open to you and me. This simple, unremarkable looking event in the Jordan. Well, it's guaranteed that for us. Now, we've heard a lot about John the Baptist lately. And you're probably thinking, why do we need to hear more about this this morning? Well, it's because as we look around us today, there still seems to be nothing very remarkable happening in this world to assure us of God's presence and grace. Nothing to confirm that heaven is open. In fact, the very opposite seems to be true. As we struggle with things of this world, decreased income and increased expenses, you wonder why may our God allow such hardship. As you watch on as violence consumes different parts of this world again and again and children and civilians are killed 
you might question God's goodness and power. As the sun heats up and drought feels like it's on our doorstep once again, you could start to think, has God forgotten all about us? That he has closed up heaven and maybe taken away his blessings. But here, here in his baptism, it shows us the fullness of his love and his grace as he deals with our sins and death so that we can be certain of our standing before God, regardless of what we face here and now. And it's no accident that the the only other place in Mark's gospel where he uses this word for tearing open the heavens occurs when Jesus breathes his last on the cross. At that point, the curtain in the temple that cut the people off from God's holy presence. Well, it was torn like the heavens were above the Jordan just that three years later, earlier. Proclaiming proclaiming to all the world that sin and death are no longer strong enough to keep us locked out of heaven. Jesus' baptism led to his death as a sinner in our place. Baptism and crucifixion have torn the heavens wide open for you and for me. And after this day, by the Jordan, the babe born in Bethlehem is revealed to be even more Emmanuel, God with us, than we had thought before. When you and I were baptized, our sins were washed off by water and by the word, joined together as Jesus commanded. But in Jesus' baptism in the Jordan, well, it's reversed, you see. In his baptism, the sins of all the world are washed onto him so that he can drag them up Calvary's hill and put them to death once and for all. It's in this work that pleased our Heavenly Father because it opened heaven to all with faith. What's more, it enabled God the Father to look upon us through the waters of our own baptisms and say, you are my son, you are my daughter. With you, I am well pleased because your sins are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Friends, as we reflect on Jesus' baptism today, we're invited to recognize the depth of God's love for us all. In our own baptisms, we participate in the mystery of Christ's death and resurrection. And we are baptized with his Holy Spirit. The divine affirmation that Jesus received, you are my beloved. Well, it's extended to us as well. We are adopted into God's family, marked as his beloved children and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as we navigate the journey that we have in our faith this new year, let us carry that joy that joy that we receive at the Christmas season 
that is assured to us in our own baptisms. Let the Spirit guide you, empower you, and remind all of us daily of our identities as beloved children of God. And may we, like Jesus, respond to the Heavenly Father's love with lives of obedience, service, devotion, and peace. Yes, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. May it guard our hearts and our minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.